Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Guess what? Guess what? It's me. Who else would you have thunk to have be coming to your ears on this very, what day is it? It's Monday. Uh, well, normally it's a Thursday, so, you know, I understand there might be a little confusion. But, and I'll tell you why, because we've got an extra special bonus episode for you, because it says here we've got World Cup fever over here on Homo sapiens. I need to qualify that statement. I need to be truthful with everybody at all times. I don't normally have World Cup fever. Uh, I don't think I've ever been diagnosed with it, actually. But the Women's World Cup has begun in New Zealand. And I tell you something, that's a World Cup I can get on board with because we're going to be cheering those lionesses all the way. Um, And particularly because there are a record number of out LGBTQ plus footballers taking to the pitch, as well as Canada's Quinn bringing some joyful trans representation to the tournament. Quinn is making history as the first out transgender footballer at a FIFA World Cup. How freaking cool is that? So today, uh, we are going to be discussing how we can make football more inclusive to the LGBTQ plus community from grassroots level upwards, because, you know, let's make it happen. Football, we talk about this a lot, but football is great, actually, once you remove all the crap surrounding it. I loved, I loved when I went to play football with um, Crawley Old Girls when I went on my own. No, I didn't go on my own. I played with Crawley Old Girls Football Club, which is a women's football team, 45 and over. Had the best time. It's great fun. So we're going to be discussing all this grassroots business with two stars of TRUKFC. They are Europe's first all-trans male football team. Now, you might remember them as they played a historic game against the all-cis male team Dulwich Hamlets this year on Trans Day of Visibility. And uh, it was really lovely because it just showed how trans people do have a place in sport, no matter what they say. So, And we're chatting with the captain, Arthur Webber, and team member, Harry Nicholas, all about what TRUKFC is doing to inspire young queer people to get into sport. And um, we're also going to discuss the current treatment of trans athletes in sport and what needs to change to ensure sport remains an inclusive space. Email us at hello at homosapienspodcast.com or on Instagram at at homosapiens and tell us what you thought of the episodes or send any anonymous agony uncles to be answered and you can get in touch with our Instagram at homosapiens. So let's go chat to Arthur and Harry. So just going to skip listeners up. We're recording this 
after day one of Mighty Hoopla, Gay Church, and Harry is going, I hope you're going to eat a substantial breakfast before you go, Harry. Yeah, yeah. The, the plan is for veggie sausages and like the whole English breakfast thing before we go. And then, yeah. But I've heard so much about it. So I'm very, very excited. I was actually meant to go yesterday and we got to like the barriers through security and then realized we had Sunday tickets. So (laughs) (laughs) this is actually my second time going, but first time inside and actually experiencing it. So that was very embarrassing because I was in my whole like outfit and then had to like waddle back to Brixton station in all my gear, feeling very disappointed. So (laughs) that's hilarious. But then you got a little dry run, see if the outfit worked. Now, let's talk about football. Um, Three, four words, five words that don't often leave my mouth because as a gay man, I feel like football is not for me. And then there are people doing incredible stuff and you two are among them because you both play for, Arthur, you're the captain, right, of TRUK. Am I saying that right? They sometimes pronounce it truck, which I think sounds a bit odd because it is an acronym. It stands for Trans Radio UK. But yeah, I'm the captain only in the the manager told me that I was. I think when we have future games, we should probably be a bit more democratic rather than just going, yeah, Arthur, you do it. So So for those of you who don't know, it's an all trans men and trans masculine football team, right? That's the first of its kind? Would that be correct in saying? In Europe, yes. It's apparently been done in India before. Um, Uh So it's sort of first outside of India. Yeah. And how did you both get involved, Arthur? How did how did you get involved? So TRUK has been around for a couple of years now. And for Trans Day of Visibility last year, they put out an all trans feminine team. And I went to go and watch that match because I wanted to support them. And then I found out while I was there that they have an all-genders team. So I played a couple of matches for the all-genders team. And then the manager pulled me aside after one of them and said, we were thinking of putting together an all-trans mass team for trans dead visibility next year. Would you be mm-hmm. up for being part of that? And so I said, yes, absolutely. And then when it started getting closer, I texted Harry to ask whether he wanted to be involved because we both played for my usual team, Left Footers. And I thought this was an opportunity that he might fancy being involved in. Great. And so, Harry, did you know about it already? How did you sort of no. come to be involved? Well, I used to play football a little bit as a kid. Like, when I was younger, I was very hyper-masculine, which is not probably what you see looking now. And yes, yeah, so I was playing a lot of football and then felt like as I was growing up, I didn't really like you know being on gendered teams. The kits weren't fitting me right. And you know, I didn't like being in those gendered spaces, didn't know what like teams I wanted to be in. So I stopped playing entirely. And then Arthur texted me being like, I'm I'm on this LGBT football team. Do you want to come along? And I was super nervous because I hadn't played in so long. Loved it. It was great. Um, And also felt really, really different post like top surgery. Because like when the ball was hitting me on the chest, like it felt really square. Like it all felt really different than when I was younger. So then this opportunity came up and Arthur texted me. I was like, yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't, wouldn't miss this. It feels like a historical moment. And it absolutely was. And I was so happy to be a part of it. Mm, because you when you played that match on trans day visibility it was the first time in european history that an all trans mask team had played an all cis team is that right i think so i believe so yeah we're going with it we're saying it. It was, it's guinness <laughs> world record book thing <laughs> and it's so interesting what you say about how you loved playing football when you were younger but you didn't like how 
it felt and you didn't like the genderedness and all of that because that is you know I made a joke at the beginning that like I wouldn't really say let's talk about football but that's got nothing to do with in many respects not like in football it's just to do with like it being like for me as a kid being like a red hot siren going off in my head in those spaces being like get out of there (laughs) you know what I mean like uh, you're going to be found out you're going to be this you're going to be that so tell me a bit about what it was like as kids for you too and you know and then also like how it feels now that you have got this amazing team where you feel at home I think I can speak for both of us like from what I understand of you Arthur that we we're both on girls teams when we were younger and it felt a little bit less toxic I think than what other gay men you know say that their experience of football was like but obviously mm. it wasn't quite right for us it sort of had its own difficulties because of that and, and I, I don't can't speak to Arthur on this case but when I was younger it's like oh well you know you, you're okay playing football when you're really young but eventually you'll grow out of it like when you have puberty mm. and become a woman like you like you're not allowed to do that anymore and it will taper off and that obviously mm. wasn't the case or I did taper off but not because of I was losing interest but because I felt like I couldn't be a part of it anymore so then it just kind of stopped and then to be able to play and reclaim that as visually as a as a, as the man I am now was incredible. And also, I think there's a bit of power in doing that. It definitely felt like a, a powerful move to say, you know, I'm reclaiming this space. We feel pushed out of it, but now to be on the pitch in front of like a 400 strong crowd, you know, it didn't matter how we played. Really, it was it was about being there, being visible. And I think the best thing that came out of it really was that people from all the, the tweets and stuff about it went viral and a couple of people have been in touch since with their like um TRUK kits on as kids being like this has meant so much to them and their team so yeah that's been the best part of it I think for me Arthur how was football for you when you were growing up so for me I actually used to play for a boys team when I was very young because the coach of the local team was a friend of my dad's and so mm. he didn't really get what was going on there but it was like okay, sure, whatever. Like there was a local girls team, but I, I flatly refused to play for them. Um, so my dad was like, fine, off you go. And so I played for them until I got to secondary school when it was mandated that it would be single sex. So I played for my school girls team until I was 13 uh, when mm. the whole trans thing hit. And I was like, oh, right. So I thought that I was giving up for good when I stopped playing because like it was an active decision being like well I can't play for the girls team they're not going to let me play for the boys team so I guess that's it and it made me really really miserable because football had been such a huge part of my life I've been an Arsenal fan since I was six years old I used to really enjoy spending Saturday nights watching match today with my dad and so like a huge part of me was gone and so when I came out and started transitioning in my early 20s like obviously everything felt better, but there's still something missing because like, I'm originally from Peterborough and I don't know if anybody even knows where that is, but there's like no access to queer stuff pretty much at all, let alone queer football. The closest team was in Leicester and that was an hour away on the train and I wouldn't be able to get there and back for training. So uh, it was only when I moved to London sort of last year that it was like I could finally get involved again. And I can oh, safely cool. say like my, my mental health's never been better. Like I fully feel like the man I was meant to be because mm. I am both sort of physically with my hormones and my surgeries that way but also doing all of the stuff that I really wanted to be doing when I was older as a kid yeah interesting mm-hmm. because basically football aside queer people are excluded from a lot of sports and actually sports really good for your mental health getting out there running around it's sort of like meditation as well like your brain kind of goes to another place and stuff but 
what is it for both of you that you love about football? For me, I think uh, it goes. I'm also on a uh, a touch rugby team, which is like all queer, mixed gendered. And what I love about both of them, both football and and the rugby team that I'm on, is like, the sense of community. So, like aside from the actual physicality of pushing your body beyond its limits and like exerting yourself and then feeling like this massive endorphin rush afterwards it's the friendships that you make like on and off the pitch it's the you know shall we all go out for the weekend or i'm playing on a like a rugby tournament in glasgow which is all like queer friendly um well not queer friendly actually there's going to be an abundance of pride flags and things uh celebrating queer sport and so it's found like a, almost like a second family for me of people that are supportive and that share those kind of values with me as well. So yeah, it feels like part of something bigger than just like your own journey, I suppose. I think that's what I like about it most. Mm. I think one of the things that I really like is that it's like a very different form of masculinity. Like I think a lot of us would associate football with quite toxic, quite hyper-masculine spaces, whereas queer football is so different. Like the banter's still there, but it's not, you know calling someone gay because they didn't kick the ball right or whatever. Like an example that I can think back to is in January when I was playing a match in Manchester and uh, my partner Dan's family had come along and one of my teammates headed the ball off the pitch and one of our supporters shouted, oh, Nathan, you give such good head. And it completely (laughs) floored my partner's relatives because they'd never seen a game of gay football before and so hadn't realised that it was quite like that. And that's something that I really love, that it's so openly queer and wonderful and still masculine in its own way. And like, I really love that. Yes. Well, I suppose maybe defining it by your own version of masculinity and understanding, like we all understand that masculinity is, a, is it a spectrum? It can present in many different ways. We don't have to present it in the toxic way, right? Mm-hmm. And when you played all those cis men, were they straight or were they gay or were they, you don't know? I don't know. Um, I mean, I followed a few of them. Like a lot of them got in touch after the game, um, particularly when um, sort of Graham Linehan and the transphobes got a hold of it and to say that they were very happy to have been a part of history and oh. to offer to, if any of us want, is go and watch Dulwich Hamlet's play uh, to let them know because they would come and support us and make sure that we were um, safe in that environment so I don't, I don't know what their sexualities were but they were absolutely lovely bunch of guys and love to play them again next year and hopefully not lose uh, 8-1 <laughs> hey I was leaving that bit out all right I was just going with the history making bit not the eight at the 8-1 loss what was amazing it's... about the game was sorry just to cut in was that like mm-hmm. a lot of the guys that had come down to play like, we had never met before like the first time we were meeting was in the dressing room beforehand and you know some of them had come from Scotland and someone had driven down from Leeds literally just arrived just as we're about to kick off like it was all about just being there and everyone from all different areas of the UK just wanting to be a part of it so hopefully now that we've got more people involved, you know, where it can have more regular training sessions and yeah, more people involved as well. So that would be great. Yeah. And if so if someone's listening and they're trans and they're like, how do I get involved in this? And they don't live in London, for example, like what there's is there a little thing to follow resources and thing online that they could look at? So if you email info at tiekunited.com, they allow you to uh, the Slack chat that we have. It's got like 200 and something odd people in there now because so many <gasps> people were interested after the game. And so like different channels have been created for different areas so that hopefully people will be able to join local leagues altogether as a trans team 
Uh, I know that in London, uh, we're in the process of joining a few. Uh, we're supposed to be part of the London Unity League next season, which is an all-queer 11-a-side football league. So we're looking forward to that. And so hopefully there'll be other opportunities in other places as well. I know in Glasgow, there's a tournament coming up in a couple of weeks um, that TRUK have entered. And I believe it's all of the Scottish guys that uh, that are doing that one. So that'll be a really good opportunity for all of them. That's great. And how do you both feel about where we're at with sort of trans inclusion in sport in general? And can you see a way through? (laughs) Are you two the keys to the kingdom because the debate is so i don't know just seems to not make any progress i'll throw that you speak to this one first <laughs> um it's it's difficult i think a lot of the problem is the level of sort of online transphobia that there is it is making sporting bodies backtrack on the mm. trans inclusion policies because if they tweet about it at all all of the transphobes in their various whatsapp chats and stuff will pile on it so they'll have like a thousand replies and like four likes maybe um, Hmm. if they say trans people still belong there. So I think the way forward is that we have to convince the sporting bodies to not be afraid of online transphobes and make it clear to them that they represent an absolute minority of people. And it's likely the same 100 people with 12 different accounts rather than it being this huge wave of people that they seem to believe it is. Um, Hmm. Because obviously most sporting bodies did have trans inclusive policies and have since backtracked recently because of online backlash rather than there being any new science or anything like that that proves that it's Mm. unequal so it's about get i think getting the right people in the right places and making sure that there are trans people in the room when these decisions are made rather than it being behind closed doors and people kowtowing to a few angry people on the internet and i know that the fa have been reviewing theirs for a long time and are yet to release what it is so we'll see how that goes i hope that they don't follow in the footsteps of rugby and cycling and all of the others and backtracking on trans women because it does seem to only affect trans women. It's very rare that a ban includes trans men and it's just, it's not fair on our trans sisters. They deserve to be able to play football and all of their other sports too. Mm. I think what's a concern for me is that, you know, if, if these governing bodies put out this guidance, then it affects grassroots sports because they're like, oh, well, I'm going to follow what, you know, what, what they say at that, that league. And that means that people like myself who don't endeavour to play any professional sport, just want to go out on a Sunday and enjoy it, feel like, well, they are excluded. And so the amount of trans kids and trans people in general who then no longer have access to sport at all and any team, it's just awful. I mean, imagine just being told, no, you can't play just on this on this guidance that has come out about yeah athletes and, and what hormones you may or may not have or how strong you are or not. It's just bizarre. And I think we should be advocating for inclusion in sport in all in every sense um mm. so i think it is really it's really disappointing that a lot of bodies have have backtracked as arthur said like you know 10 15 years ago this this was never really a thing and it's just because there's been pylons that, that they've backtracked on it so i i really hope that having events like this that shows that trans people do want to play sport that do want to be involved hopefully might change some of the opinions on it and if, and if we can get into them and explain what it is we're trying to do hopefully that that might change things as well mm-hmm. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. things that i think you mentioned harry forgive me if i'm getting this wrong is putting on like a football kit and it feeling good on your body on your trans body is that right am i am i right am i dreaming yeah i think it's interesting because although i put on like a football shirt now like a men's shirt it will feel great like sort of upper body but then because i have wider hips because that's just how i am born i'm not saying that all cis men don't have thin hips are just how, is how my body is um mm. it still feels a little bit strange a little bit tight in areas a bit too loose in others like shorts as well can be a little bit difficult i remember going into the the changing rooms at yeah, arthur's laughing um the <laughs> tiuk and it was like you know the kit that we had there was like two small kits and it was like right who is the smallest person that can get because we all wanted those like medium to small because they're all quite short guys um so it's quite it was quite funny because obviously the kit the kit fits slightly differently. But what I'm doing at the moment for my rugby team is trying to have like a, a gender inclusive kit. So it's not traditionally male or female, but it's just like, okay, what body shape are you? So what kit could we have that best suits that rather than it being gendered, which I think is probably the best route to go. So it would be like, you know, are you more of like a pear shape or are you more like, you know, broad at the top? And then, yeah, finding kit that suits your body rather than these like, athletic ideas of what your body should be which doesn't suit anyone who's like plus size or you know Mm. doesn't fit within very narrow barriers of what an athletic body should be so hopefully that'll change things but it is nice to be able to put on a kit and feel like you're comfortable enough to play for sure yeah and also like an undercurrent of that says you are included doesn't it it's for you as well do do you feel the same it feels like you're part of a team a a community you know it Mm. it I think a kit does a lot to include people as much as it does to, to to exclude. And I think just being a part of that, you know, visually is all all as one as well. And they're, they're such awesome kits, the truck kits. Like they're all trans colours. And I think we sold hundreds off the back of the game just in terms of support. So yeah, right. it was great. And then now I've got this like... I guess, family of people who are also wearing the kits to like the gym or whatever and feel just like they're part of something, which is amazing. Yeah, which is what team sport does as well, you know, aside from all the other stuff. How about you, Arthur? Yeah, for me, the interesting part of all of us being transmasculine and wearing shorts in the... I had to remind people to wear tighter boxes so that our prosthetics didn't fall out. And I think something that I don't think cis captains would have ever experienced was 
all of their team decided to show me their boxes so that I could see that their penises would not fall out onto the pitch, <laughs> which was a very special experience and one that I'm de- grateful for, I think. But yeah, it was it just made it so clearly a trans event and it was wonderful. For my regular team, it's largely cis men and me. So that would not happen in that changing right. room. So it, it, it was special and uniquely trans. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love that. And speaking of uniquely trans as well, and you know, the other area of your life, Harry, is that you've written this book, A Trans Man Walks Into a Gay Bar, and the experience of being a trans man who's gay. Tell me a bit about that, because Arthur, you identify as gay as well, right? Yeah, I do. So it's something that covers both of you, but Harry's the one who wrote the book. Tell me a bit more about how that came about. Yeah, so Arthur's actually in the book because when I first sort of realised that I was trans and gay, I didn't know anyone, couldn't see anyone that was like me. And I realised I was trans first and realised I was gay later <clears throat> and sort of went to Gays the Word, which is like my local queer bookshop, and tried to find something that encapsulated what it is to be gay and trans and those contradictions mm. and what it is to exist in quite... Um, uh, hypermasculine, hypersexual space sometimes as as a trans man. Um, and I couldn't find anything. And so I kind of had to find out for myself what it is to be trans in these spaces and the kind of conversations that come up. Like there was something on a program that we've got in the UK. I kissed a boy at the moment, just like gay love island. And they were talking there about being like a gold star gay and stuff. And being a gold star gay means that you've not been with a woman or like touched a vagina basically and I was like well what does that make me then does that make me like you know like a I don't know, platinum girl what, whatever I don't know it's just kind of these like weird higher like like weird like hierarchy of of gayness and like where do I sit then within it so it was quite interesting to go into different spaces but also the best thing about the book is that throughout sort of going into those spaces and I guess more people coming out as trans and gays meant that I found people like Arthur who have very different paths and very different interests to me, but we have these kind of familial experiences as well. So mm. I've, I've written the book. I don't really know of any other book that sort of explore those themes. So I'm hoping that it's the first of many different... Another one come. for the World Book of Records or whatever it's called. <laughs> Guinness Book of Records. What's <laughs> the matter with me? You mentioned it being a hypersexualized environment, being a trans man. What did you mean by that? I mean, I think when I was sort of going to those spaces, I guess everything felt a little bit phallocentric. Like if you'd Google like gay man, it was always like a big bulge or when looking at underwear, it'd always be like a jockstrap accentuating like different areas and things. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, where do I fit into this? If I wear a jockstrap, is I'm going to feel flat and like something's missing, even though I don't feel in my body like there's something missing, like a phallus doesn't make me any more or less gay. And then going into places like saunas or cruising bars and things like how is my body going to be responded to in those spaces? And I guess because I'm a relative like cis passing man, even though I kind of hate that passing term, I don't mm. mean to be. Like, I don't feel ashamed of my transness in any way. I just kind of am as I am, but people expect me to be cis. And so at what point on the dance floor do you say when you're making out with someone that I'm trans? Like, Is it when you 
like are on the dance floor? Is it when you're taking them back to their house? Like, does that then put you in a, an area of danger? Because what they expected you to be is not what you are, even though you never sought to like not share it. So it's been a really interesting sort of process of examining all these things and where they came from. And I think there's some amazing things now. Like a, a, a guy that I follow, he's a sex worker, shared a photograph the other day of a gay inclusive like, underwear shop. And it didn't have like that bulge at the front of jock straps. Like it, I think there was efforts to make things more inclusive for trans men as well, which is amazing to see because I don't think I would have seen that like five, six years ago. So yeah, it's it's an, it's an incredible look at, I guess, different sort of intersections of queerness and how they kind of bring up questions that we may not have looked at before. It's really interesting to hear you say that because what I love about the book is that it's through your very personal prism, you're kind of saying what I think every gay man feels as well is that you know you're like where the hell do I fit in here you know and I don't think I've got what it takes because it's like it is hypersexualized. it's like we're all meant to be like amazing in bed we're all meant to be like voraciously sexual and have you know like this kind of really hyper masculine we're not meant to do it. it feels like we're meant to you know what I mean and you kind of look around you're like what Okay. And it's, you know, being a gay man going into those spaces for the first time was hard enough, let alone being trans gay man. I think what you touch on there is like really important because although this is, yeah, through the lens of a trans man who's also gay, it does look at, well, what if I don't fit in? And that can Mm. be in transness, but, you know, in any kind of way. And I think that's hopefully something that a lot of people can relate to whether they're trans or not about not fitting into this very narrow idea of what being gay is and then where do you where do you fit amongst that and actually what I found at the end of it was that we're far more similar than we are different and that you can never really well you can never pull the T from LGBT because we're all sort of intersect and intertwine in different ways so it's been a really special sort of process. And and did, did you, this is for both of you, I mean, all these questions are for both of you, but like, am I right in thinking that you found that you were a little bit worried about saying you were gay? One of the things I've always noticed, you know, is that like my trans friends end up, their sexuality is definitely a journey. You know what I mean? That's happening at a time when perhaps people want answers from you about what you are. People assume you're supposed to be so sure when like, why should we be? But you speak a bit about that, but the timeline is being from going from being a lesbian to a straight man to a gay man. I had a bit of a, I guess, a non-linear journey. I mean, I kind of, I identified as a lesbian, not because I felt like I was a lesbian, but because other people were labeling me as such. So like Mm. a football thing, football was a classic one. It was like, well, you're a masculine girl, therefore you're gonna be a lesbian. And these kind of stereotypes that people have about you and what you're going to do when you grow up was really interesting. And then when I was younger, it was okay to be masculine. But when I hit puberty and was expected to be more girly, that was now wasn't okay. So I kind of went through this path of thinking, well, other people think I'm this, like what, what, what are they seeing that I'm missing? And it kind of took a lot of time because we didn't have the language then. And I definitely didn't know that transness existed until I was about 15, 16, a bit later than Arthur. So it, it yeah, took me on a bit of a, a wild path. But I don't feel uncomfortable about saying I'm gay. Like, if we're saying that being gay is only like a penis and a penis, I guess it's about essentialism, isn't it? And it, it reduces us to body parts, which were all far much more than that. And gayness is so much more than just that. Like, 
you know, you're, you're saying at the top of the show about Hoopla being like, you know, gay church. Like there are these cultural moments as well that we sort of all have familial interest in. So we're far much more than that. So I don't really feel like it's awkward for me to say that I'm gay, although I have seen it's been in the last year that people have piled on to stuff that I've been saying online and saying that I'm like a heterosexual woman infiltrating gay spaces and this has only been like a a thing that has happened in the last year or so like it's been interesting but I I don't feel like their opinion yeah 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 and it's definitely I mean saying all, all kinds of different things probably worse than that but it's been interesting like I guess it doesn't really affect my sense of self. Like you can have that opinion if you wish, but I still am here. I exist. It's really, you know, it's great that it doesn't affect you, or, or as you know, it doesn't upset you in this moment. I'll say, can't say it doesn't affect you because it shouldn't be happening. And also, like, has anyone tried holding down a job, paying your rent, brushing your teeth, seeing your friends? Like, who's got time to be secretly infiltrating spaces under another guise in another identity to do what? Like, who can you know, be bothered? <laughs> <laughs> literally, who can be bothered? But yeah, I mean, Arthur, tell me your experience. But also, like, did you find that? And I'm I'm asking this question because someone said it to me once before that they were fearful of sharing their experiences about who they were attracted to because it might make people undermine their transness. Do you, do you feel that that's something we need to be protecting trans people from? So it's complicated. Like I never really identified as a lesbian. Like I always knew that I'd liked boys. But as a child, for some reason in my head, I'd come to the conclusion that if I was going to get married when I was older and I was going to be the man, that meant that I had to marry a woman. So I distinctly Mm. remember like being in the back of my nan's car at like seven or eight, like looking at other girls around the same age as me and thinking, oh, she'll do if I have to have a wife so that I can be the man. That's that's fine. So like there was never any sort of real sense of, and I had never like outwardly identified as a lesbian, but there was this sort of period as a child where I was like, well, if I have to like girls, then then sure, fine. Um, so like, I remember coming out to my parents at 13 and my mum explicitly asked me like, do you like girls? And I said, no. And it was like, well, then you can't be a man then because people are only trans and so attracted to the opposite gender, the same gender as them, but like opposite post-transitioning. Um, mm. So that sort of, I think that made it quite difficult for my parents to understand because like, as Harry said, there was no visibility of gay trans people at all. Even now there isn't much. So thinking, you know, 12 years ago when I was telling my parents that there was nothing. So um, they'd only seen heterosexual couples. It took my parents a long time to sort of understand the um, gender and sexuality you don't transition to be a certain sexuality it's just a part of who you are the same as your gender is like it's two sort of separate sort of linked parts of you but not you're not doing it to specifically become something it's a whole mess essentially it's a beautiful mess you know like because it is it's that conflating of sexuality and gender isn't it that is what's going on there that people do without even realizing you know and it's like well if you're not this lily pad of my understanding you must be that lily pad of my understanding over there but you said something funny harry which was you completely bypassed your twink years yeah. Uh, yeah, that's so rude. Like, I swear to God, I spent like most of my time yesterday like veating my shoulders because I have like the most horrific like bare shoulders. And it felt so cruel because I t- took testosterone and then within two years, like bare. Do you know what I mean? Like, great. <laughs> I felt like, yeah, but I mean, I don't mind that. I mean, it's kind of tongue in cheek joke. I don't mind it so much now. Like, I 
gayness is so much more than just being like a twink. And actually, you know, a lot of people my age and have, have gone past their twink years as well. And actually, yeah, I'm very, very happy with that. But it felt like, um, yeah, I just went from like woman, woman to bear within like two years. What the hell? <laughs> Well, you know, if it's any consolation, I don't think there's a twink in this town who even knows they're a twink until it's too late. You're like, oh, I think I was, I think I was a twink. I mean, I don't think, you know, but I think I was too hairy to be a twink. I'm still not quite sure. But, you you know, also it kind of opens up the more poignant idea of not having a boyhood, right? Which is relevant for both of you. You know, do you, do you mourn for that time, Arthur? Or do you just go, that's my life and I'm cool? So weirdly, like, I kind of feel like I did because as a child, as Harry said, it wasn't until puberty that sort of my parents went, no, you need to behave in this way. So as a child, I sort of, I, I did my own thing. As I said, like I played for a boys football team. When I wasn't around my parents, I used to tell the other children that my name was Tom because I had short hair and I could pass as a boy. So like, I very much feel like I did because Great. it wasn't until puberty that I you know, sort of tried to conform a bit and like did hair and makeup. But like I had short hair, was doing all the stereotypical boy things. So like I very much felt like I like I did have a boyhood. But my parents have sort of understood that I didn't have the same boyhood as perhaps other children. I remember for a Christmas present shortly after the whole family sort of accepted that I was trans and I started medically transitioning. My mum bought me some like boys annuals from around the time that I was born and in my early childhood so that she could be like, here's the stuff that you didn't get to have though I did have some I did have similar things but not specifically things said you know boys annual or book for boys or whatever so my mum bought me those to try and sort of I don't know I don't want to say make reparations because that sounds horrible but you know to give give back what she feels like I missed out on but I don't I don't feel like I missed out on all that it's so it's so interesting and and I feel like it's really beautiful though because I think that what it feels like she's doing whether it's working for you or not, it's like you have that onus as a parent to provide and nurture and to understand that you hadn't, there would be an instinct to try and make it right. Even if it's like, you can also be like, honey, I'm a, I'm a gay man. I don't care about those annuals. <laughs> because I used to get given those books and I'd literally be like, mm-hmm. nope. Um, <laughs> I'd be like, my little pony? Yes, where's the glitter? But it's, yeah, it's it's very sweet. Well, I'm not going to keep you any longer, the pair of you. Arthur, what are you going to do for the rest of the day? I'm actually going to play football. Uh, my usual team, uh, left footers, have a casual kickabout on a Sunday at Regent's Park. So if there's any queers that are listening that fancy just a casual game of football that's not like hugely competitive. It's literally just a bunch of guys that will come together and kick a ball around Regent's Park. And we do that every Sunday. So uh, it's a huge part of my life now. And so, yeah, that's what I'll be that's- doing. That's so great. And then, Harry, you're going to hoop. I feel like your Twinkies are about to begin this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, possibly. It was interesting what you were you were saying about like like refusing stuff when you were younger. Like I, I like when I was given Barbies and stuff when I was a kid, like classic mm. cliche. I'd be like, oh no, I want the Kendall. And now yeah. I'm kind of like, play me that Dua Lipa Barbie song. Like, yes. like, and it's just kind of like completely reversed. But I think it's from where I'm coming from. It's not as a girl, but as a as a gay guy, and that feels a lot more comfortable. So yeah, I'm going to be hopefully having a very very feverish time at, at Hoopla later on. Uh, I can't wait to see the whole hot mess unfold on Instagram. Oh, I know, <laughs> well, I'm gonna I know. S- As Dr. Ronks would say, just stay hydrated 
and wear your sunscreen and eat something once in a while. You know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Has that got you in the mood for a bit of a kickabout in the park, as they say? Hmm. I hope so. Look them up. Look up TRUKFC if you want to join them. Or look up your local queer uh, football team. Get involved. Let's, you know, let's make it a thing. And don't be a stranger. Alrighty. Bye for now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Powered by Spirit Studios.